Hello, welcome to Pine Cones and Moonstones, where science, witchcraft, and history combine. I'm Cassie. And I'm Desiree. And hopefully I don't sound like too much of a chain smoker. This is like, I'm two days of having an actual voice back, so we'll see how it goes. We'll call you a light party smoker. <laughs> That's what I used to do. <laughs> we all used to party smoke. Oh, with enough booze. <laughs> Um, so, let's see, uh, we have one more Patreon shout-out to do this week, um, for Savannah, so, thank you for joining our Patreon, um, yay, uh, and we need to share a good thing from this week, my good thing is, I don't feel like I'm dying anymore, (laughs) oh, that is good. Oh, Uh, I, I had to work Friday, and I got home at like two, and I went to sleep, and I woke up at 10 a.m. Saturday. <laughs> See, but when you're sick, I don't feel so bad when I always have to change when we're recording. Which is literally every time I say, <laughs> hey, when do you want to record? And we decide on something, and then you're like, and then you're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Whatever. Sounds good. Oh, no, it's like, it's either you have to change it or I have to change it. And we're just flip-flopping. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs One to day change it'll it? actually get on a schedule. <laughs> uh, good uh, thing. I don't... Uh, I just finished up a bunch of candles this weekend. That's nice. Woo! I'll get them out there. It's been rough. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping to do a, just a giant overhaul batch of soaps in the middle of this month, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. I, uh, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I re- I let go of all expectations for how my summer is going to go. I'm either going to make the things and do the things and succeed at the things, or I'm not. But I'm done, like, trying to constantly hold the pressure on because it's not... I need a reset. It's not quite working. So I'm Mm going to just let it all... See what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. my approach at this point because I have to make my syllabus thing and I have to do this paper for SHA and I'm just like, meh, and I'm supposed to finish this report she hasn't given me any edits back on any of it, so I have no idea how uh, it's going, and I'm just gonna keep doing what I've been doing, and if she doesn't like it, then we're gonna be fucked. <laughs> just assume that it's going great. It's probably going really, really well. I mean, it's getting done, and it was due ten years ago. It was due <laughs> ten years ago? Yeah, like, they did the first field project thirteen years ago. And so they had, like, two summers, and then the report would be due, so it was, like, three years. And uh, no one's finished it yet. So, like, (laughs) 16 different students have written on this thing, so it's just a clusterfuck of a shit show. And hell, (laughs) some progress is better than... Yeah, that's that's how I feel like maybe it is, so we'll we'll (laughs) see if I ever finish it. It's just, it's, like, 230 pages right now, and I haven't even put maps in, it's just words. And pictures. It is ridiculous. Like a mind fuck. Yeah. It's a bunch of different minds. So it's like 20 different sites in one report. It's just a beast. Um, but now we get to talk about fun things, which is Bigfoot. Bigfoot! <laughs> Bigfoot. Oh. I didn't know how excited I would be for this. Like, everyone's excited about Bigfoot. Until I started reading into my portion, my tiny little easy portion of this. I didn't do any of the technical stuff, but 
I got way, way too excited by myself. And there was no one here to share it with. I like, was going to start texting my mom, but I'm like, she's probably sleeping right now. So then I texted you. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't convey exactly how excited I was. <laughs> that's been, okay. You'll hear I, it. I made my friend Rachel come with me because we, we've been meeting at the library to do our syllabuses or syllabi for the independent study. And so we had to find the Bigfoot book. It was at the top, like, fifth floor of the fucking library. And where you go in, you had to walk all the way around to the other side to find the aisle with the Bigfoot books. And I was like, this is accurate for a Bigfoot book. You have to go on an expedition to try and find it. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) it was Find little scraps of paper leading you to the book. Yeah. Well, I also had gotten all my other books before that, uh, which was, like, 12 for the (laughs) syllabus class. So... I'm just carrying my giant stack of books trying to find this other book. It was a it was a disaster. It was good. Um, so my section it's gonna get a little technical and I'm gonna try to make it as untechnical and fun as possible. So I'm gonna caveat this by saying that if you want some more in-depth interviews with someone who is an actual biological anthropologist and not an archaeologist who is moonlighting for the sake of this podcast, um check out Wild Thing. They interview um, one of the professors on my committee's advisor, uh, Ian Tattersall, and a bunch of guys at the Smithsonian, and they actually know what they're talking about, whereas I have a bunch of handouts from class that one of my friends made, because she's an actual bioanth person who does ancient hominins, so I'm gonna go with what Dory says and not... My own (laughs) Uh, shit. So, I wanted to start this off because I realized, having grown up in the Southeast and taught in the Southeast, that no one in the United States, especially, gets an actual good explanation of human evolution until they go to college. That's a problem for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, first off... If you're a person who's ever been told that evolution means that humans came out of monkeys, just erase that from your brain right now, because it's not (laughs) fucking true. Um, (laughs) completely throw it away. Um, so, essentially, the way we come to be humans is there was a primate millions and millions of years ago that looked a little bit like a lemur. Like a mix between a lemur and a rat. And it's very tiny... And it had a really big brain compared to its body size. And the big brain just kept getting bigger. And we had to make a lot of body changes to essentially pay for the calories needed to grow a big brain. Because the most expensive tissue in your entire body is a brain. Which is why we only carry babies for nine months. Because if you go further past ten months, the mother literally cannot eat enough or produce enough energy to keep herself alive and the fetus. I believe Because giant brains. Giant brains. And Um, giant babies. Yeah, well, we're, we're, uh, we had a physical anth class in the fall, and one of our sections for one of the weeks, my professor called it, human babies are big and helpless. (laughs) Can't argue with that. (laughs) Because we need to be bipedal. We need our big brain, so that's why you have soft spots, because to get the big brain out of the mom's body, your brain, your skull has to squish. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you don't want it to break the brain, because then you don't have a baby. <laughs> but, anyway, um, so, first, just, a, like, a brief rundown, in case no one knows how we know how old this shit is, or what it is, we do these awesome tests called radiocarbon dating or isometric dating. So, radiocarbon dating, obviously, is testing carbon, and it's looking at the half-life, so as carbon decays, like, the amount of carbon left... Um, it, it takes a certain number of years, so you just see how much carbon is left, and then you count backwards and do some math. <laughs> is a super incorrect, like, very basic rundown of how that works. Um, isometric dating is more on different isotopes, so you could use arsenic, you could use nitrogen, um, and those also help us tell, like, what kind of foods you are eating. So if you eat a lot of plants, like if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you're going to have a significantly higher nitrogen rate than people who eat meat. But if you're a person who eats only grass-fed meat versus someone who eats corn-fed meat, your nitrogen is also going to be way higher. So it's kind of fun. You can also use them to match samples to other ancient soils so we could tell where that skeleton moved around on the landscape and where it comes from. Um, so anyway, the basic lineup of how humans work, it starts... <laughs> some <laughs> uh, of them don't. No, some of them don't. So, the, the big important ones that you really need to know to figure out where Bigfoot fits into this kind of thing is, uh, about 7 million to 4.5 million years ago, you get these little tiny bipedal things um they have opposable thumbs they have tiny canines instead of if you've seen a picture of a gorilla or an orangutan or a chimp like giant canines um they've got an ape-sized brain so we're still not human level yet um and they're called uh sahelanthropus trichodensis auroran tugenensis artipithecus uh cadaba and ramidus and um the Artipithecus is a new one, so you may have been taught that uh, Ramidus was an Australopithecine. If you've taken Bioanth in the last, like, 10 to 15 years, Artipithecus is a new thing. Um, so then you get the Australopiths, which if you've watched the Discovery Channel, this is, like, Lucy and that range. Um, who also still kind of look like um, apes. They're very prognathic, which basically, if you think of a chimp and where their nose and mouth is and how it sticks out from their face, or like a dog nose, that's prognathic. The way humans have like a smush face or like a pug is not <laughs> prognathic. Humans are pugs. Yeah, so compared, yes. to, compared to other apes, very much, we're the, we're the bullies. People the pugs. The I like smush it. smush nose. <laughs> um, so you get um, an amensis afarensis, which is uh, Lucy, and then you have some other ones where... There's, there's kind of a debate whether it's an Australopith or a Kenyanthropus because the teeth are fucking weird and the hips are weird. And, but basically, to be a human ancestor, you need to be bipedal, which means you have two feet and you walk on two legs. Uh, you need to be forward-facing eye orbits. So if you think of like where dog's eyes are versus where our eyes are, they're different. Um... And it would look weird. Have you, not related, but have you ever <laughs> seen those pictures of sharks with human teeth? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that just... Because my husband was talking about what We're if fine. people had their eyes the same spot squirrels do. Anyway, sorry. 
Sharks if, with If we teeth. had our eyes over to the side, we would have much better vision and But would, we would look fucking weird. We would look very weird, but it would it would help with defending ourselves against predators. <laughs> um you also get Australopithecus sediba, uh, which was discovered in 2012. Um, you get stone tools with them, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very basic, like, just giant hand axes. Um, and it's thought that they probably had wooden tools like chimps used to get termites and mm-hmm. stuff out. So, like, they use sticks and stuff. Uh, then you get Paranthropus, which... It might have been taught to you if you've had an anthro class before as the robi- the robust Australopithecus. So these guys, basically their skull looks like it has a mohawk of bone. Because <laughs> where your jaw muscles connect are at the top of your head. It's called a sagittal crest. Um, if you've ever seen a wolf or a dog's skull, uh, it's that little fin part at the back that kind of looks like a mohawk. These guys, um, I'll post the picture but I'll show you. These guys have one. Oh, okay. Um, That's because like a short, these... fat skull. Yeah, it it's like. it's very small, but it's very like thick bone because mm-hmm. they were eating a bunch of giant nuts. So essentially, their faces are giant <laughs> nutcrackers, and they're just like <laughs> like chewing it. That's it's crazy. What she said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's like Paranthropus, um, Aethiopicus, Boisei, Robustus, um, and the sagittal crest just keeps getting bigger. So if you go to the Smithsonian. Uh, in the Natural History Museum in D.C., they actually have a wall of skulls. And mm. all four of these dudes are just sitting there with their little mohawks bones. It's great. It makes me happy. They're like little punk rock Australopiths. <laughs> so then about 2.8 million years ago, you get the earliest um, members of the genus Homo. So... <laughs> Sorry. The way this works is, like, the humans that we are now are called Homo sapiens sapiens, which means humans wise-wise, because we're conceited beyond the brink of a doubt. Um, the first one is called Homo habilis, and he's, like, the little handyman, because he's got the first specialized stone tools. So they show evidence <laughs> of somebody taking another tool, whether it's, um, like, a, another rock or an antler to pressure flake, that kind of thing. It's It shows evidence of another implement being used to make a blade on that rock instead of just using a giant rock to hit shit with um so it's a precision tool no it's still general because if he had to use more than one thing to make it size wise it's like you could hold it in one hand versus a precision tool would be like a bead drill or um projectile points like arrowheads spear points and atlatl points like you see people hunting for because they're so tiny and very detailed, and they're worked on both sides. This one is just, I have kind of a flat rock, and I go like this and smack it, and pieces fall off. I mean. And the pieces are sharp. We're going to come up with a word. <laughs> Semi-precision. Um, it's called, um, I have, Oldowan. Oldowan tools. Mm, not as fun. Okay. Yeah, they're from the Olduvai Gorge in Africa. Um, so... Th- You get Homo habilis and Homo rudolfensis, um, which has, this is the first instance you see the face being not prognathic. So instead of a face that looks like a chimp, you can see it's like, it's smushed. It's a little (laughs) smushier. He's just got that large eyebrow ridge. Yeah, he's got the, we've still, we got the big brow ridges through the Neanderthals, which is Mm -hmm. fun. 
Um, most pro wrestlers look like Neanderthals a little bit to me because they all have the big brow <laughs> mm-hmm. ridges. Uh, so then you get Homo erectus, which is the one that everyone laughs about and knows, which is the first <laughs> one that was super tall. Um, so before this, our skeletons are like four feet tall, max, like four, four and a half feet. Uh, erectus is six and a half for the tallest oh. one they found. So we have a, like a two foot shoot <laughs> that happens. Um, they also have thicker skulls, bigger brow ridges, and, um, defined, more defined zygomatics, so they had nice, fancy cheekbones. Um, and they're the first ones to leave Africa. So, the reason there are people on other continents right now is because of Homo erectus. Um, they've also been called Heidelbergensis and, um, Peking Man. For the Chinese Homo erectus and the German Homo erectus, but essentially they're the same species. It's just once you have one family of them or one group of them, they're going to resemble each other more than one from Africa mm-hmm. kind of a thing. They also use Oldowan tools, but they start um, having some percussion and precision flaking. So versus the other one, and I'll put some pictures of these up too, um, it's more like a point and it has... Two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so, then you get into the mosaic hominins, which are like uh, Floresiensis, the human hobbit, who's only like three feet tall and looks kind of like a short little Homo erectus, but it's at the same time as archaic Homo sapiens. So, it shouldn't they shouldn't exist together, but they do. Um, or Naledi, which looks like a gorilla. Kind of, but also has modern wrists and feet. So, like... <laughs> she had modern wrists. He. Like, he. the giant skull. How can you tell from his face it's a he? Um, humans have... Di- uh, male humans have different brow ridges, eye orbit, averages, nose apertures, and also, uh, we have his pelvis. Yeah, but that guy's not a human, right? Um, he's a... He's not a modern human, but we know how the pelvises work, because we have females and males of a lot of them. I'm just saying, I <laughs> didn't see his nuts. It could be a girl. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'd fit a head through that pelvis. Oh. Touche. Yeah. I didn't see the pelvis, but... Well, no, she didn't. She only put the skulls, because the skulls look the coolest. Like, that's where you get the biggest difference. I'm just saying, from a skull, it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> if it's a boy or a girl. Um, so then you get Archaic Homo, which is Homo sapiens, instead of Homo sapiens sapien. And they <laughs> essentially look kind of like us, but with thicker skulls still, and big old brow ridge eye orbits, so it's just like, eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then you get us. Uh, so the offshoot of that with the robust Australopithecines and things like that are that while... The human line is going along like this. You get the robust Australopithecines who shoot off and do their own thing and stay Paranthropus instead of going into Homo. And we don't know why. Uh, You get Neanderthals, um, Homo floresiensis, which is the little hobbits from Flores. You get uh, Denisovans in Georgia and Russia, um, which look like... They are kind of related to Neanderthal and kind of related to humans, and modern populations do have Denisovan descent and Neanderthal descent, so there was some mixing somewhere. Um, And so the suggestion is that maybe Bigfoot is like that, and it's like 
a descendant of the robust Australopiths or somewhere in the middle, like the Neanderthals and the Denisovans, that instead of mixing in and becoming modern human with us, it it stayed its own little isolated thing. Hmm. Which, to me, is very hard to believe because we have the genetic evidence that the other ones mixed with us. Like, it wasn't like we're all hiding from each other. Like, trade and interaction were happening. Because mm-hmm. you don't get DNA in your body without somebody getting down with it at some point. Well, and there are stories, uh, at least tribal stories, of the males taking a human mm-hmm. wife occasionally to uh, have little babies. Little cute yeah. babies. And we have evidence of, like, Neanderthal Denisovan hybrid babies um, in the skeletal record, actually, too. Um, and we have individuals, um, like, certain areas where there was a higher concentration of Neanderthals and Denisovans, the modern populations have a higher concentration of that in their DNA. So, like, the Middle East, Russia, and Georgia, and, um, parts of Germany and Central Europe. Uh, if you're descended from there, you have a higher amount of Neanderthal DNA, usually. So, if we have that evidence, it just doesn't make sense to me that this other thing would just stay off by itself. Because also, the climate changed so significantly that it was kind of a adapt and join the modern humans or die mm-hmm. sort of thing. And that's why Paranthropus and the robust Australopithecines, like, they died because their food source disappeared. And they were so specialized with the giant jaws that they, they couldn't adapt to eating softer things. Um, so, that kind of is a, is a basic rundown of where anthropology thinks Bigfoot might fit if we ever found it. My physical anth, one of my professors, uh, I was telling him about the Wild Thing podcast, and he was like, I really wish they would find Bigfoot, because then we could put its skeleton next to the human hobbit and be like, what the fuck's going on? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the hobbits are like two and a half, three feet tall. And Bigfoot is supposed to be above seven and a half feet at least. Everything I've read said either between six and nine or between six and 15. Mm. Those were the two sets of numbers I kept getting. So I have to say I'm pretty sure when you start saying that thing was 15 feet tall, it's because you were shit-based in the woods and you're pretty sure. Well, also just if you see a giant massive thing that shouldn't be there. 15 feet. It's going to be so terrifying for you that your your brain is going to warp that. And we only have blurry photographs and fucking blurry video because no one knows how to focus their shit, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that brings us to, like, the scientific search for Bigfoot, which has primarily been headed until his death by this anthropologist uh, who had tenure at the University of Washington uh, named Grover Krantz. And if you think that name is familiar... Uh, he's on the Wild Thing podcast. Uh, that's who the podcast is about. Uh, he is the guy whose skeleton is on display in the Smithsonian with his dog, Clyde. Uh, he was on the Bigfoot show a lot, like the Finding Bigfoot Animal Planet show. Like, he's the Bigfoot guy. But he's also, for physical anthropologists, he is the uh, bipedal footprint guy. So, while he is, he had the biggest collection of Bigfoot footprint casts, he also was someone who was an expert on early hominid footprints, because we have these things called the Lytoli footprints, and they kind of prove 
that are early hominins, like the Australopithecines, were bipedal because um, when you think of how chimps and gorillas walk, you get feet and you get their knuckles. So you mm-hmm. would have all fours on the ground. Um, the Lytolia footprints are in South Africa, and there was a big volcanic explosion, and there's a bunch of volcanic ash, and people walked through it. And when the ash cools, it essentially forms like a cement layer. And the footprints are there permanently. So we have them. We can date them based on when the volcano erupted. They're, they're great. Um, and they're bipedal. So it's just two little human feet walking. Um, so he's the guy who, like, measured those, determined how long the skeletal stride would have been, how heavy they might have weighed based on how deep it was. Like, he's, he's a bipedal walking physical ant expert. Um, so he wrote this book called Big Footprints, and he kind of goes through, up until I think the 80s when he wrote this, he goes through, like, the history of Bigfoot and why the sightings aren't taken seriously, because it's either, like, man, we saw this thing up in the woods and we don't know what it was and we were drunk and so it's not reliable, or it's, like, blurry (laughs) photography or blurry video, which is, like... Yeah, it might be a thing, but you don't you don't actually know if it's a Sorry, thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh and so his thing was like measuring the Bigfoot stride, making sure the footprints looked legit, like they had five toes, they are standing upright. Um the weird thing he noted is that Bigfoot footprints don't seem to be arched like modern mm-hmm. human feet. Flat which mm hmm. Which would cause it some evolutionary problems but could also be better depending on how tall it was um but his book is very it's very physical and technical and it's also very like was obviously written almost 40 years ago kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so i think it's a fun read but some of his articles if you can find them on jstor through your library's website they're a lot easier to understand um so he did that and basically most of his evidence would be the the footprints and sightings and some videos. Recently, um, which they get to go look at them on the bit, the Wild Thing podcast, um, and you sent me a picture of one of these. Uh, they found these weird, like, nests, and they think they're Bigfoot beds where they've rolled around because they don't look like bare um, sleeping like dugouts or anything so uh that's that's where they're at right now they're the other, by riverbeds normally yeah yeah and they have them in this state park um that they've been monitoring and so they're hoping that maybe a trail cam or something will catch it one day um but they they were testing some of the soils and nothing came back abnormal so they're not really sure what they are um The other thing is, a lot of scientists, anthropologists, anything like that, can't actively study Bigfoot, which creates a problem. Because a lot of times you have early anthropologists like Franz Boas going to the Haida and the Salish-speaking peoples and the Athabascans up in the Pacific Northwest in Alaska, writing down all of this stuff in the 1890s and no one touches it again except to like put transcripts up um and so you might get some information out of the native tribes but 
a lot of times they might not want to tell people their myths, you know? Uh, but also, you can't get grants to study Bigfoot. Like, that's not a thing anyone is going to pay you for. Because you have a expectation of credibility at universities, at things like the CDC or other scientific entities that, you know, these are the people telling you, like, that climate change is happening or that you should vaccinate your kid or that we can land people on the moon, that kind of thing. And you don't necessarily want people who are in charge of testing if there's a Ebola outbreak to also be like, oh, and we found Bigfoot over there. Mm-hmm. Because that can... In, in a time period right now where science is already being severely questioned, that's going to add fuel to the, the anti-science fire, so to speak. Which is a problem because anthropology especially, but a lot of science, has this problem where there's a lot of research and technical jargon and technical manuals, but there's no public interaction or translation from, like, what someone might write in a medical journal to what we as a person drinking the water in this country need to know kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. Um, And the same thing happens with archaeology and anthropology. Like, we can talk about awesome new skeletons all day, but if you're not making actual connections to the public and letting things like intelligent design and the creationist myth get into public schools, we have bigger problems. You can Mm -hmm. find all the skeletons you want, but if nobody believes that they're there or is willing to listen to your findings, like, it's not going to do shit. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's a, there's a couple archaeologists who have decided to kind of take this challenge head on and use it as a way to get people into anthropology. So, they'll do classes that allow for public audits, so it's not just students, it's, like, members of the general public coming, and they'll challenge things like the ancient aliens myths or... Bigfoot or like conventional things and go through it in a scientific way and show what actual evidence is versus spinned evidence Mm -hmm. so that we could actually narrow it down and make an actual scientific claim for Bigfoot or not or an actual scientific claim of like were there ancient aliens or people just really racist and not willing to admit that not white people could build a pyramid (laughs) like it's, it's that kind of thing. And there's only a couple that are still doing this. But I think it's, it's a thing that needs to happen more. Because we're getting entire generations of like people our age thinking that vaccinating their kid is going to kill them. Or like that climate change is not a thing that actually happens. And we're like at a point where if it keeps going too far and no one is actually listening to academics or scientists that we're going to be in serious trouble. We're already there. Oh, we're definitely already there, but I'm trying to be (laughs) positive. (laughs) Oh, all right. right. I thought Bigfoot was the positive part. Well, we're all going to die, but there's Bigfoot. Yeah. I think using something like a community class on Bigfoot and looking at it from an archeology span perspective and throwing in some evolution and stuff in there is a much better way to engage the public than just ignoring it and saying, no, it's not real, and belittling mm-hmm. people. So that's my soapbox. Archaeologists <laughs> should talk about Bigfoot. <laughs> Archaeologists uh, should talk about everything. We should, which is kind of what we're, we're trying. 
people are getting better at it, but we still got some old guard people who are like, I don't want to me, me, me. So, we're weeding them out. It's good. <laughs> and then you have some of the the more origin myth kind of a thing. Oh, all your fun stuff's done already? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just have to say, to begin, Washington, which is where I live, <laughs> has the most recorded Bigfoot sightings in the United States, according to all of the website I visited, though the actual number has varied widely, very uh, widely. So I didn't put that down. According to Grover, it's like in the hundreds of thousands for the state of Washington. Yeah, see, it's, it's like, like when, they, when they list amount. a number, they don't tell me if it's per year per decade, per capita. He didn't do that either. It's very frustrating. Yeah, so I don't know who's (laughs) collecting it, but Washington holds the number one, followed second by California. Mm. Um, So basically the Pacific Northwest in general is like a hotbed for the Bigfoot activity. Um, From what I could see, uh, Bigfoot is the, or Sasquatch, is the North American version, but a lot of other cultures have a similar dude. Mm-hmm. And so they'll compare him, obviously, to the Yeti yep. over in the Himalayan area. Um, the Yowie down in Australia. I think that's not the whole word. It's Yowie something. I, well, I can't I've read only my heard handwriting. people say Yowie. I haven't heard the full name, and it might be it's, because no one can pronounce it. <laughs> oh, if my kids were in here, they could tell me because there's a Scooby-Doo movie about it. Ah, but that's not where I'm Scooby-Doo. getting this information from. This is from the internet. Anyway. Uh, so Yeti, oh, and the Abominable Snowman is another version of the Yeti. And then there's also, um, besides Bigfoot, the Skunk Ape, which is mm. another reference. And then there's um, there's another term, and I watched it on that stupid, like, one of those stupid paranormal travel channel shows. But there's, <laughs> like, a southern version of Bigfoot, and he hangs out in the swamps. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it's called. But he's supposed to be, like, almost green in color because his fur's, like, moldy. Yeah, it's... Oh, fuck. It's not skunk ache, It's something else. But you know it's what I'm a, talking about. It's a... Ca- like, it's a Cajun word. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So that it's, might have to be He another... essentially looks like a giant ghillie suit. Like, for snipers, that's that's the kind yeah, of pictures kinda. I've seen. He looks like a Which giant... Which is actually... Mossy... It's funny that you mentioned that because there's another creature that they bring up on that website that we found, the Native American languages one, that's similar to him, Mm -hmm. that I sent you the mask of. But anyway, we'll we'll go over that part later. So the word that we use, Sasquatch, actually comes from one of the Coastal Salish languages called Helcomelamim. Well, I'm totally fucked that up, (laughs) but it's a really long word for one of their dialects. And um, they have two different versions of it. It's either Sasak or Seskauts, okay. which sounds closer to Sasquatch. Um, and that's after listening to this pronunciation probably 27,000 times. <laughs> and I apologize to anyone who's insulted by my horrendous pronunciation of these uh, extremely fun spelled words with lots of X's and apostrophes. And <laughs> I, I need to work on it. So the the... Pacific Northwest version is generally agreed to be between six and nine feet, or if you're drunk, 15 feet, um, (laughs) and to be dark brown or reddish in color, like a sort of a reddish auburn for, I do like a ginger. Um, And (laughs) everyone kind of agrees that he smells bad. Oh. I mean, if you lived out in the woods and you had no bath and you're covered in hair, 
I could see why you would, especially as much as it rains in the Pacific uh, Northwest, <laughs> and you're covered in fur, right. like... Everybody's a little stinky. You can get musty. Well, it's interesting because um, some people will say that there's no Bigfoot. Obviously, it's like an elk or it's a deer, because a lot of the fur samples will come back from deer or elk. But if you've ever seen a moose in person, which I don't know if you have moose in the south, I don't think there are. I've seen them in person in Grand Teton National Park in California. Oh, I didn't know there was <laughs> moose in California. Well, moose in the wild, most of the time you can smell them before you see them. They're oh, quite stinky. The and moose planet. are very, very big. Yeah. Like, in per- like real ones out in the wild when you're walking. They're a good probably they're... nine feet tall with and without antlers, you know. The antlers are terrifying. Like, in, a, in an big. awe-inspiring way of, like, oh, I don't want to get too close to it. But it's just like, holy shit. I was terrified for most of my childhood of moose. Hate moose. My mom loves them. I've heard now they're I'm okay mean. With them. They are. Oh, they're very mean. They're, oh, anyway. <laughs> bringing back the tears. I mean, <laughs> moose are not cool. But my thought was that it wouldn't be outlandish for this to be something that gets confused with moose if you're not familiar with what a moose looks like, because they're kind of weird looking. Mm-hmm. They got weird faces, and if you see them from the behind, you never see them when people put sunglasses on a dog's butt, how it kind of looks like a face. <laughs> yes. It's a similar thing from the behind with the moose. Oh, dog so, butts. So, <laughs> um, the... The cast we were talking about earlier, which is that print that they found down by the river they thought might have been like a Bigfoot bed, was called the Skookum cast, and it's in the Skookum Meadows, which is in the middle of a forest called the Gifford Pinchot Forest, which is protected land. And it is literally like in the middle of nowhere in this forest because I mapped it, and it would take me four hours to drive from my house to there, even though it's probably on the road only like a two-hour drive. Because it's in the middle of this, basically, state land. It's kind of, I think it's supposed to be by, someone said Mount Adams, but I couldn't find that on the map as being what it's close to. So that cast, people will argue that it's either an elk that laid down, or it is a cast of a Bigfoot's left forearm, hip, thigh, and butt. Hmm. Now, when I looked at it, I could not tell either of those. To me, it just looked like somebody was playing in the mud and took a cast of it. But there's multiple other pictures that I um, was not able to see on my teeny tiny but nicely screened phone. So <laughs> I'll leave that to you guys. But we can post those pictures up because I think I sent you one. Yes. Um, the problem with trying to find legends, like written legends for this, is that they're not. They're not written. Mm -hmm. Most of these are oral tradition stories, and most of the natives don't like to share them in a written form, or don't have the ability, I'm not really sure which it is, because there aren't a lot of self-published books for the coastal tribes. Um, You can find some artwork, and it'll have like a small description, but there's really not a whole lot of information. But what I did find is that it's not called... The way that they even describe a Bigfoot is not the same, not even remotely similar in every tribe. Some tribes have the same same meaning for a different word, and so their word, I don't know how to explain what I'm saying, it's a well-used word, but it means more than one thing. So it's them talking about the Bigfoot creature, but it's also a commonly used word for another thing. 
So, like, with the um, Alaska natives up there, they would talk about Bushmen. Well, Bushmen is also what they call Alaskan Bigfoots. Yeah. Big feet. Big feet. Anyway, so when you would hear people joking about Bushmen, it could be both ways. So I, I myself have to sit and think about stories that I've heard. Which are they talking about? Are they talking about the dudes who go out there? I mean, because we've seen the TV shows. And, you know, they when you live in Alaska, that you definitely make a lot of jokes about men who choose to spend their time in the bush and come into town a couple times a year to get laid and get booze and all that stuff. Um, but Bushmen is a, has a multi-layered term. So it's the same thing with each of these tribes. They have a term, which I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce any more of these because it's it's going to make me cry. Um, but they all mean something different, but are still linked to this creature. <coughs> Most of the time, the creature is, like we said, tall, covered in hair, uh, lives in the woods. It seems to be sort of benign. It doesn't really hurt anybody. It'll try to chase people off. Um, some tribes report uh, trading with it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it doesn't speak a language that we can, that has, sorry, that's my work emails going off. Um, there's no recorded language that's been identified in any of the stories that I read. It's mostly hand gestures and sort of grunts and that kind of thing, whistles. Uh, you'll, they'll talk about on the shows, the shrieking, like that weird shrieking noise that one girl with the short hair always makes. I don't know. But I didn't see that written down anywhere. So I'm not totally buying the shrieking thing. I think that's just something that came later when Bigfoot hunters sort of started to get real big into it. Yeah. It could be. Um, I did stumble onto some really fun and that's in quotations fun. Uh, Bigfoot erotic fiction when uh, I was trying yes. to find <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the Wild find Thing stories. podcast interviews one of the authors <laughs> The one who uh, wrote about, what's it, I think his name is Leonard the Bigfoot. Uh, her dad proofread the books. Oh. For her, and she's like, it was it was a little weird. I'm like, yeah, it sounds a little weird. That's way weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did stumble into that, and I'm going to save you the trip. There's not a lot going on there. Uh, he's got a big schlong. That's pretty much all I got out of it. But when you're looking for... Oh, God, I... I gotta pull up the website again. When you're looking for an actual, like, one story, there isn't one. It's just sort of like, yeah, there's these creatures. Yeah, they live out there. Sometimes they come in and steal stuff. Sometimes we trade with them. Sometimes they come in and take a human wife. And then the kids just sort of live in both communities without any sort of problem. Those stories seem to be all, like, uh, Eastern Washington tribes. I didn't see that happening with the coastal tribes on this side, which I thought was interesting. Um, the other one I wanted to mention was the Bookwas, and that was, uh, they related it to the Bigfoot in that it was a man-sized thing covered in hair, but it was supposed to be, like, a spirit from the ocean that was, like, an angry dead person, basically, and that one was a little more malevolent than an actual Bigfoot, but when you're talking in terms of physical descriptions, they're both similar, and so then you have to start looking into just physical descriptions through these oral histories, which is, I mean, that could take me years to try to figure all that out. So, um, the other thing I thought was interesting is that the Skookum Chuck 
area, and the, I think it's the Skookumchuck River or the Skookum River. I don't. I, there might be both because we have weird names out here. Um, that whole river, that whole forest area, is supposed to be super well known to the native people for being where to find this creature. Mm. So, like where they found that cast, nobody was surprised that that's where they found the cast. So, and it's, um, I think that leads into the Chehalis River. So it's actually like a whole bunch of rivers kind of interconnected, but also Skookum's really fun to say. <laughs> and then the other thing I found was that um, on the news recently, there was a big uh, museum, I think in Lacey, which is not far from here, like a couple hours, uh, that released a bunch of stuff they had just gotten back from the FBI a while ago and had like a miniature Bigfoot museum. I did not get to go up and see it, but in doing that, I also found that there is, and I can read my handwriting now, it's Bigfootology.com and mm. it's run by a group in Ellensburg. And that's the one I was telling you about where they will, you can send in your sample and you Ooh. do a write up of your story of where you found it, you know, as much detail as possible. And they'll intake it, they'll evaluate it, and then they may or may not test it depending on your story. But they made a really big point of saying they're going to treat it, your whole situation, with respect. And, you know, you're not going to get laughed at. They wanted to make sure people felt pretty comfortable sending in and being honest in their stories and that kind of thing. But I thought it was cool that they're willing to test, possibly test your sample. So, that's, yeah. Especially because samples and shit's really expensive to get tested. Well, and I don't know, I mean, well, you could just send it to a college, right? Mm, no, colleges It depends on what kind of, you know I'm saying, like a student, mm. student in the college, maybe? Mm. I guess you gotta know somebody. You have to have the, the labs to do it. So, not every college has a, every kind of testing lab you could do. Like, we have a radiocarbon lab because one of my professors does it himself. Um, but if you don't have one which is most of the schools in the U.S., it's like $500 to sample. Oh. And DNA, I think, is about $75 now. Unless oh, you're sending it to, like, Ancestry or something like that. Then it would probably be cheaper to send it to Bigfootology. Yeah. .com. If they're eating that cost. I just found a map uh, of Bigfoot culture and belief in the U.S. and Canada. And a little oh. bit into Mexico, so I posted it on the Facebook page. So if you're oh. listening to this, go check it because it's, it's really go cool. Check it. <laughs> yeah, it's from Esri, which makes um, ArcGIS software, which is what a lot of people use for mapping and uh, running like size tests. So the bigger place the bubble is, the more sightings and belief uh, narratives there are there. Okay, it's pretty what- concentrated in the Pacific Northwest parts of Canada and then yeah, a yeah, bunch in the south and a bunch in the mountain range of northern Mexico. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. A little more isolated. Well, here, the problem with Washington is that there's so many um, super dense forests. Yeah. I mean, there's there's woods everywhere. And it really is easy. I mean, that's why people are still finding bodies all the time out here, which is not, not ideal, but I mean... It's still fun to go out in the woods and explore because it is really remote, even if you're not that far. So I definitely think that there can be things hiding in the woods, having gone out to remote places and camped and stuff. I've never come across anything myself. The only thing we've run into were some really angry squirrels that helped (laughs) us with pine cones all night because we camped too close to their tree. 
Yeah, I mean, so. we're still discovering unknown plant, bug, and animal species, and rediscovering mm. some that we thought were extinct all over the world. So, I mean, there's a chance. Oh, and another note, the word skookum is what the Chinook tribe calls the Bigfoot. Oh, that's fun, so it's the Bigfoot so, River. <laughs> yes, yeah, so anything with that word skookum in the front of it, or skookum check, is based on basically Bigfoot. So really, if you were even an amateur sort of hunter, you could just look at a map and pick all the skookum areas. Mm-hmm. Go look around. But skookum meadows is in the middle of that forest, and that's where they found that big cast. And I didn't, I didn't write down the date that one was found, but I feel like it said 2000. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong there. So that's actually not... I guess not very recent. <laughs> I'm still, I still have to tell my brain that two, that the year 1990 was not 10 years ago. <laughs> no, <it laughs> and was I was not. born in 91. Like, that's sad. <laughs> I do like that on this website, we were using that nativelanguage.org one. Um, there are recommended books about Native American Bigfoot mythology. One of them's Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, Bigfoot in Native Culture. That one and was at the library. I want to see where he's a cannibal. I have not read any stories about him eating people. That's uh, way more exciting. Yeah. Like, there was that one. There was a Yeti one. Also, for for fun Yeti-related story, uh, if you listen to the Wild Thing podcast and she starts interviewing this British dude, uh, you find out that he smuggled a Yeti hand out of a temple in Nepal to get it oh, down no. to India to fly to the British Museum in London. And guess who he gave it to to smuggle it out? Who? Jimmy fucking Stewart. <laughs> As in, it's a wonderful life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The Cheyenne Social Club, Jimmy fucking Stewart, who put huh. it in his wife's lingerie case because no customs official would open a woman's underwear suitcase. That's pretty smart. Terrible. The British Museum fucking lost it. Oh. What? I mean, they've stolen everything. We've been over this. Like, <laughs> like they, physically lost the hand yeah, or lost, they lost it? They oh. lost it. They have no idea where it is. They have that it got checked in, and they have an accession number and everything, and they they can't find it. Somebody but I mean, this happens a lot with these British, with these European museums and some in the U.S. Uh, the French Museum and Georges... Uh, Cuvier, who's a big psych and anthro early person, lost the sexual organs and brain of the Hottentot Venus. They were in a jar in the National Museum in Paris, and they they lost them. So they couldn't give her entire body back. When they gave it back in the 90s, Mm. she died in the 1700s. I feel like someone's selling this shit and making some money. That or they have it, and they don't want to give it back. And they know exactly, uh, like, although I've been in museums where it's like, oh, we found a storage room. And because this was my class this last semester, like, they found a storage room and nobody had touched the stuff in there since they put it in there in 1936. I could not imagine working in a museum and not looking in every nook and cranny all the time. They're well, sometimes like, you don't know that a, like, a thing is even there. Like, that you don't know it's a saying. room that they have. I'm nosy as fuck. You don't think I would be checking every well, single they're not all in the museum. closet? Like, this one was in um, a storage closet in an old uranium vault. <laughs> okay. And, I probably wouldn't check and, that. that. In another dangerous. building, not in the museum building. And Garrett was looking in there, and he was like, 
what is this? And then he found the boxes of stuff, and they're wrapped in newspapers from 36. Hmm. And there's no list. They weren't ever accessioned to his museum. Like, they have no record of them existing. That's how you get ghosts, man. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) So I feel like we're probably going to need to... um, I want to get these books, and I have a few people that I want to try to talk to to see if I can get my own oral history of Mm -hmm. this. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people around here that I probably could ask in person if I, like, set it up. But it didn't occur to me until I got drunk and started uh, (laughs) reading through all these different... We can Just always that. do follow-ups to anything, I feel like, because there's always going to be new things that come up. Like, even our, like, tarot episode, I feel like in even six months, we could probably do a follow-up and come up with new things to say. So, I'm oh, cool sure. with, with yeah. saving it for a follow-up or Well, and doing... I want to go visit that, um, that little museum up in Lacey. Yes, do it. And if you're going on your honeymoon road trip, you can just road trip up this way, and then we can go to all the weird museums. It's probably going to be, like, next year or the year after, because we can't even go home this summer, because plane tickets to visit everyone are going to be $1,500. Okay, new plan. Scratch that. (laughs) I'm going to fly my family down, and we're going to look at ghost towns. Oh, I can do that. There's Tonopah, and we can drive down to Vegas and go to Rhyolite. See? Okay. Good plan. (laughs) We'll just record from inside. (laughs) So, we'll make sure we post the, um, the cast picture, and then we had a cool picture of the mask that was supposed to be, uh, not Bigfoot, but the Bushman version of Bigfoot. Yeah. Which is basically just a super hairy, stinky dude. Yeah. And I so. have pictures of Grover and some of the skulls that might be fun for people to flip through. Um, and I just want to say, I tried. I asked everybody. I put it out on Facebook. <laughs> I put it on Instagram. I asked people that I knew. I asked my mother today in the car. Nobody has Bigfoot stories. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody has Bigfoot stories. And you would think all the places I've lived are all in the the giant epicenter of Bigfoot. And nobody's got nothing. And... While we're on the topic, I have seen a chupacabra, okay, here in Washington, but I haven't seen a fucking Bigfoot. <laughs> it makes no sense. Oh, at all. do you no do you listen to Thinking Sideways? Have you ever listened to that podcast? I think I've got a few episodes. Chupy did it. I haven't heard that one. That's uh, they did an episode about the chupacabra, but whenever there's an unsolved murder case, one of the hosts is like, Chupy did it. I believe it. That fucker's creepy. <laughs> I will never forget. Dude, everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I... F- it, anyway. <laughs> I haven't seen a Bigfoot. I, I think we know what our next topic is going to have to be, because I need to hear this story. It's just going to be me ranting and raving about how nobody <laughs> believes me about this thing. Anyway. So, unfortunately, I don't have more. I wish I did. We can do a follow-up. I can go to Twitter and be like, hey, Twitter, do you have Bigfoot stories? Someone tell them. me something. I will interview you with rapt attention. <laughs> and I will use my neatest handwriting so that I don't have to look up the stupid website 75,000 times to figure out what it is. It wasn't any of my first ten guesses. And now after I see that it's Bigfootology.com, I feel really dumb. Because <laughs> of course it is. So, anyway, what's our next, what's next episode's topic? I think we should do the Chubacabra. 
Uh, oh man. <laughs> or should we we should mix up. it All up, right. I guess. We can we can do another cryptid later. Let's see. Chupacabra. Hmm. Fucking chupacabra. Um what did we let's see. We already did Lilith. Do we need to do another god goddess combo? I mean we'll have to do one eventually for July. Is so. it July tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, well... I, well, we have to do one for June, I suppose. <laughs> Didn't we... Oh, jeez, No, we did terrible. May. We could just skip June, and we'll do July. <laughs> yeah, that's what's happening. Oh. Well, Lilith was in June, wasn't she? No, it was technically May. Oh, it my just God. didn't this get is... put up until... June. <laughs> for listeners, no. she's making this face, so she's just like, oh... Okay, yeah, we're skipping June. There's no gods or goddesses in June. We did Bigfoot, who is my god, my eternal, my big, <laughs> hairy, stinky Jesus. Um, uh, July, I just, this hasn't been put out yet, but the candle that I just worked on this weekend was for Sybil. <gasps> that would be cool. So, but I don't really have a god equivalent to work with her because I just have not done the research. I so, have been looking into Hearn recently, so we could do okay. that. He's not an equivalent or anything, but he is fun. We could do... How about you do her and I'll do Sybil? Okay. That works. And we'll just split the episode because that'll be enough to talk about. They're pretty minor. I mean, not Hearn. Hearn's not minor. Sybil is kind of a minor, um, not well-known goddess, so there won't be a ton about her, but I dig her. Yes. Oh, and if if you um, are on our Patreon, we're doing a moon phase challenge. So if you donate a dollar, you get in the group and you can do it with us. Woo. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the directions that I know you posted that I didn't read. <laughs> I saw you I, post them. I posted them in the, in the, in that's why we drink spinoff. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I said I would do it in the other group. So then I got on there and I was like, I can't use the same instructions. There's only seven people in here. Because the, the ATWWD group is like 1,400. So I was like, find oh. a buddy, do this, like, find someone who matches your moon sign. I'm like, there's we seven people. We only have people. a handful of people. I don't, I don't think that. it'll work. So my, my other instruction was just like, comment on someone's thing. <laughs> That's easy. Oh, and to the person who won the t-shirt, it is coming. Uh, Vistaprint is being quite slow with my stupid t-shirt design. And so it keeps like, you need to fix this. And then it's. It's given me errors. So it's coming slowly. I'm sorry. It probably will not have come by the time you listen to this. And I apologize. <laughs> but I have not forgotten. It's coming. Yeah. It'll be good. What else? Is that it? Is that all we got? Uh, well, our Facebook page is Pinecones and Moonstones. And our email, if you want to send Desiree your Bigfoot story... Please. Is, um, I would love to tell someone's Bigfoot story. Is uh, pinecones and moonstones with and written out uh, at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at pinecones moonstones, I think. Uh, Twitter is pinecones <laughs> mo one because it was too long. <laughs> I've never looked at our Twitter, so. It's not very happening because I'm not on Twitter enough. Um, but. I have it linked so that our episodes automatically post, and uh, one of our awesome supporters keeps liking them, so someone listens to it on Twitter. Thank you. (laughs) I'm working on it. But yeah, other than that, that's all I've got. That's all we got? Oh, it feels short. Normally our episodes are way longer. (laughs) 
Alright, well, next month will be... Not next month. Next month is tomorrow, so... It is. Yes, next month. <laughs> next month will be super exciting, and we're going to be on it, and we're going to post things on time, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Maybe. So, in the meantime, I don't think I like my outro anymore. I'm no! just going to say... You want me to keep saying it? It doesn't fit. I was going to change it to make some magic. That works. <laughs> With jazz hands. Yes, yeah, sure. If she's there's a jazz hands emoji, I'm going to put that up. These are spirit fingers. But Or, you know, don't be a dick, eat your vegetables, and stay hydrated. And make some magic. <laughs> That's my thing. Bye. All right. Bye.